0: Thank you guys again for coming out to the Missions Bazaar. We we hold this Missions Bazaar once a year, right? Once a year, and we prepare for months uh, for this this one event. And so uh, it was just a great time of just being together. I I don't know, I I had nightmares of my mother throwing uh, the ball and dunking me, and I realized that it was real when I woke up. (laughs) Um, There was a station for uh, uh, the police department. I thought that was so cool, right? There was a station for uh, the Fairfax police, and uh, I've never seen that before, and so just kind of being able to put on like a bulletproof vest, and then um, asking to be handcuffed. I asked, <laughs> that wasn't part of the thing, I just asked. To. And then uh, just being able to go into the police car. Um, there was, you know, there's some people who naturally gravitate towards the back seat. Uh, I'm not gonna say, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but it was just, it was just really fun just to see everybody um, and, you know, as I see all of the hundreds of people that came through the Missions Bazaar and just seeing everyone giving and laughing and having fun, it could, I couldn't help but think back to when our church first started. And I think for a lot of us, we think of 2001 as kind of the first time that, our, that the doors have opened and Shining Star began, but um, actually I'm talking about the very genesis of our church, and that was in, actually in December of 1992, Um, that was when Pastor Lim, our senior pastor, at that time, he was just an elder. He was praying to the Lord at Anna's Prayer Mountain, which is only about 30 minutes away from here. And it was during a time of just busyness in his life. And so he actually went to the prayer mountain to simply reorient his mind and his heart towards the Lord. But while he was there, he heard three simple words. And it would be these simple words that would forever change his life and those three words were feed my sheep feed my sheep and from that very moment shiny star community church it began to develop and form and, it, and the crazy thing is it wouldn't be until another nine years later that we would hold our very first service in the basement of a home but in that moment, in 1992, it was those three words that was set afire to where we are today. Feed my sheep. You know, I've been able to talk to Pastor Lim about that moment. And for me, uh, the more I've understood his heart and kind of what that has come from and understood the vision of our church here also, the more I've realized what those three words really mean. Because when we think of the words, feed my sheep, I think for most of us, we think of that spiritual sense, right? We think of uh, a shepherd, a, a pastor, someone who needs to be spreading the gospel. And absolutely, that is one of the main meanings of that. But there's more than just one layer to what Jesus was saying there. Because when it says to feed my sheep, a lot of us forget the most literal meaning. To actually feed and meet the physical needs of the people. You see, here in this passage, James is talking about caring and loving one another, loving our neighbors, loving the poor. Why would James be so strong about this? Why would James spend so much time talking about the poor here? What we see in Acts 6 is that the early church, they had this problem. It was that every day there was this daily distribution of food that was happening, where the poor, they would be supported by the members of the community there. And so the members, they would gather their resources, their food, and their money, and they would give it out to the most needy, and they would give it out to the most poor. And yet, what we read in Acts is that the poorest of the poor, the most disenfranchised, the most oppressed, the widows, they were not being taken care of. They were being overlooked. And so James is furious because he knows the heart of God. And so in verse 13, he says this scathing thing. He says, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. You see, in the Bible, we see mercy being used in two different ways. The first is the way that we usually use it in the English, which is to be kind, to be forgiving. You know, I, if I did something wrong to you, and you are merciful to me, you are forgiving me. And yet, the definition that he is using here is a different type of mercy. Because in Mark 10, We see this blind man named Bartimaeus, who's a beggar lying on the side of the road. He has nothing, he is homeless, he is without anything, and yet he hears that Jesus is going to be walking down the road. And so he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What is he saying there? Why would he use those words? He's not saying, Jesus, please forgive my sins. He's not saying, Jesus, be nice to me. He's literally saying, Jesus, heal me. Heal my blindness. Take care of my physical needs. You see, mercy in this sense here that James is using is saying, look, mercy is taking care of physical needs. So when James is telling the people here, he's looking at these widows and he's saying, look, it's not enough to just talk to them. It's not enough to have good ideas. It's not enough just to pray for them. You have to act. And it's scary because James, he says that judgment will be shown to those who have shown no mercy. What does this mean? It means that God will judge us if we simply talk about love and don't walk the walk. It means that we can talk and discuss a billion different ways to serve and feed the poor. We can have focus group meetings, we can have leadership meetings, we can do discussions and seminars and sermons and all these different things to talk about what it means to have the heart of God and to feed the poor and yet when we don't act, it's meaningless. And when it's meaningless, that means God will judge us. And this is why the beginning of this passage, it talks about favoritism. Because you see, our world is obsessed with the rich and the powerful. And I'm not just talking about the world and celebrities and and these different things. I'm talking about how the church itself is so susceptible to that as well. I challenge you to to look at a megachurch and look at their elder board. Because for a lot of megachurches, I'm sad to say this, is that their elder board is filled with CEOs, is filled with multimillionaires, is filled with congressmen. And it becomes so easy for a lot of us to follow the values of this world. Look, there's nothing wrong with being a CEO or a congressman. No, don't misinterpret those words. But what I'm saying is that for so many of us, even though we are in the church, it can be so easy to follow the values of the world. And that's why for me, one of my spiritual mentors is this pastor named Chan Su Lee. He doesn't know he's one of my mentors, but he is. And he's the, he's the head pastor of a church called Udi uh, Church in Korea. And one of the reasons why I respect him so much is because he said that at his church there are over 20 elders. And he meets with them frequently over the years. And yet, he said he has no idea what they do for a living. He has absolutely no idea what they do. And he says it's not because he's Ignorant or because he he hasn't doesn't want to know or whatever, he said is on purpose, is very intentional. Because there are people at that church, there are people in every big church that give millions of dollars hoping to become an elder, hoping to have recognition from the pastor, hoping to have some special type of prayer or blessing over the over them from the pastor. And yet for him, he says, I refuse to show any type of favoritism in that way. I refuse. You see, the title of my sermon here is called uh, A Church of Mercy. And for me here, I'm not talking about the early church in Acts. I'm talking about this church, about Shining Star. You see, Pastor Lim, he heard three words in 1992, and it was three words that have led us to this point, feed my sheep. Feed them not only spiritually. Feed them not only through the Bible. Feed them not only through the theological viewpoints, but feed them physically. You see, our church is sponsoring over 100 missionaries in all these different countries all over the world. We give over 50% of our budget, everything that we have, to missions. We have Family worship every month, where we bring all of our children on stage, where we raise our right hand, and where we pray for them. We spend months preparing for retreats and camps for the next generation. We spend our money, our time, our resources on these two things on missions and on children. And if you go to our website, The very first thing you'll see are two simple sentences, a heart for missions and a heart for families. Why do we put so much emphasis on these two things? Why do we give so much beyond what a lot of other people would say is common sense? It's because when I read this passage and when we read this passage, we read specifically that this verse That judgment without mercy will be shown to those who show no mercy, and it fills me with two things. It fills me with fear, and it fills me with hope. I'm fearful because God is jealous for the poor, and he is jealous for the oppressed, and he is not going to stand idly by when he sees injustice and hypocrisy, especially from the church. But you see, I am also hopeful because I know what our church stands for. I know what has led us to this point. I know that in 1992, God said those three words, and he is still saying those three words today. And those members here, the staff here, the leaders here are all in on that too. Because we believe in feeding the sheep, not only theologically, not only spiritually, but physically too. That's why we give so much of our time and of our energy in those things. Look, this is why we have been, we will continue to be, and this is why we will strive to always be a church of mercy, a church of mercy. For you, brothers and sisters, there are so many churches in this area, in the Nova area, man, I can't count, I can't even count how many there are. And they all have different goals and different visions and ideas. And and I'm not saying that one's right and one's wrong. I'm not saying that we're the only ones that are right and everyone, no. I'm just telling you that for Shining Star, for this church, we have a very specific calling. And for us, we are all in on to be a church of mercy. And because we are so Completely all in on this, it can be more divisive than other places. It's because here the staff, and for me, we have no qualms on telling you to serve. So serve. <laughs> Do it, go, serve. And the reason why I can be forceful, the reason why the staff can encourage you and reprimand you and convict you to say, to just go serve is because we know that it's about God. It's not about our own satisfaction. It's not about what we can accomplish on our own. It's not about what we can about just our own feelings in this way. It's it's about what does God want from us? What has God called this church to be? When you look at our bulletin, we have a lot of different events coming up. And every single week, we are going to push as hard as we can for you to get involved in those things. Whether that means to take a day off of work, whether that means to take a day off of family time, whether that means to take off some time in other places and just serve, we have no problem saying that because we believe in the importance of what it means to give back to the community, of what it means to go all into missions, what it means to give, go all in for the next generation. And that's why even for myself I don't have and for the staff as well we don't have any problem talking about offering and tithes. Why it's so important to give of your money above and beyond even 10% because the first is because honestly money can be the biggest idol. It can be the one thing that holds you back from a true and lasting and loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And so for me As a a pastor, as your pastor, I'm going to do everything I can to break you of your idols, to push you towards Jesus Christ. But secondly, the reason why we encourage you is because we have this specific calling to give 50% of our resources and of our money to missions. And one day to go 75%, to give more. To give more and to give more and to give more. To feed his sheep, to feed his sheep, to feed his sheep. And so for us, we want to give more to missions organizations. We want to give more to this neighborhood. We want to give more to the next generation. We want to give more to missionaries. Not only just to spread the word yes, but so that they could build homes, so that they could give to the poor, so that they could give food and clothing and do all these different things. Because we feel that we are called to do that. And that's why we are all in on those things. And so, church, be merciful, not for me, not for you, but because God is good and because he is glorious. You see, in verse 1, it says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Now, in this passage here, in this verse, why would James... Use this phrase to describe Jesus. Why would he use this characteristic? The Lord of glory. He could have used any other description. Why this one? It's because he's saying that when you understand God's glory, that is when you become that's when you become a church of mercy. He's saying that the reason you show favoritism the reason you oppress the widows, the reason why you are willing to forget about the poor is because you don't understand God's glory. And you don't understand that God's glory extends to his creation. It's because you don't see that every person, whether they're rich or poor, is infinitely valuable and worthy. That whether they have a citizenship or not, whether they are from a different skin color, whether they have a different family background, whether whatever job they hold, that they're infinitely worthy, that they're valuable in the sight of the Lord. You know, one thing that's been interesting is over these past couple years, I've had the opportunity to talk with some really smart people. And these are people that I know will be shaping the policy of America for. For many, many years. And one thing that I am so thankful for is that for most of them, they are justice minded. They're justice focused. They want to help the oppressed and they want to get rid of these divisions that hurt the minorities and hurt hurt the poor. And so I asked them, because for me, I'm so curious where does that heart come from? Because for almost all of them, they are staunch atheists. And so for me, coming in with the foundation, with the understanding of the truth of the Bible, it's, it's different and it's this conversation that I, I'm really eager to have with them. Because for me, my understanding of the inherit, the, the, the absolute worth of a person comes from Jesus Christ. It comes from the cross, it comes from him dying for me, even though I didn't deserve his death. And that, and that is extended to every single person. And yet, for many of these people, they don't believe that. And so I would ask these questions to them, and it's interesting because most of them point back to the Constitution. And it's interesting because they talk about the Constitution. It says that every man is created equal. And yet, I wonder if, for us, do we realize that the Constitution has more parallels with the Bible than any other writing. And that Martin Luther King Jr. famously held the Constitution in one hand, and the Bible in the other. To not only show that he was fighting for both, but that both were interlinked, that both were connected. That the foundation of the Constitution had to come from somewhere. see, the reason why we as a church fight for justice is because it leads back to our value that people, every person, is made in the image of God. But what's unfortunate is that the world is slowly turning away from those values and turning more towards what James says here, favoritism. That's why even in D.C., even in our backyard, we see gentrification happening. We see affordable housing coming to a standstill. We see minorities and the poor being pushed to the side. And so, church, this is my challenge and my, my conviction to myself, and I, and I pray to you as well, that the world will continue to turn towards one way, and yet where will you stand? Because it is our duty and our privilege to fight against the tide. And not only that, I I pray and I hope that it convicts your heart because God, he also sees that, man, if, if the world that doesn't have the Bible as a foundation is fighting towards justice, how much more should we fight for that? How much more should we go above and beyond in those ways? And that's what it means to love people in the image of God. And that's what we try to go back to when it comes to feeding the sheep of Jesus. And so lastly, what does this mean for us? You see, in verse 7, it says that we are called by an honored name. For you, you have a name and it's not the name that your parents have given you. It's not the name that is on your birth certificate. It is the name that Jesus Christ has given you the moment you accepted him as as Lord and Savior. It is the name that he wrote down in the book of life. You see, it doesn't matter how much you earn or what you do or don't do. We are one family. The moment you accept Jesus Christ, your identity is radically changed forever. What does your identity change to? It's this paradox where you believe that you are poor and deserve nothing, but you have faith that you are worth more than you could ever believe because you are accepted and loved by Jesus Christ. But I think for us, we've, we've been consumers for, for a really long time. And that's kind of how the world has trained us. And so for us, we've been conditioned to take and to take and to take. And for a lot of us, we think of people as simply products. We think of networking before we think of friendships. And I'm going to tell you honestly, if, that, if this is your heart today that if this is kind of where you are and that serving and giving is not where you want to be and, and you're just kind of thinking of, oh, I'm just going to consume, I'm just going to take, I'm just going to take, you are hurting this church. You are a detriment to this church because the resources, the time, the energy, everything that we could be giving towards the poor and the oppressed, that's where we need to put our focus in. And when there's one person who is not part of that team, it doesn't run as smoothly as it could be. And so for you, man, I challenge you to pray and seek the Lord and ask him, do you really want to be a part of this team? Do you really want to be a part of this community, a part of this church? Because we have a very clear vision, a very clear idea of where we're heading. And it's your choice whether you want to join or not. You know, in John 21, Jesus tells Peter three times, three times, feed my sheep. Commentators, they've talked about why Jesus repeated himself three times, and there's some people who say, oh, there's not really any meaning behind it. It's just because the story, it goes along the way. Other commentators have have said other things. But I'm going to tell you one thing, is that for those three times, Jesus, he phrases those three words differently each time he says it. The second and third time Jesus says, feed my sheep, it gives this connotation, this overall well-being for the sheep, saying just take care of them. These sheep are lost, so I want you to be a pastor to them. I want you to be a shepherd to them. I want you to take care of them. And yet, the first time he says to Peter, feed my sheep. If you really love me, then you will feed my sheep. The literal translation, it says, feed my lambs. And what that means is a literal feed them. Feed them. They are hungry, so feed them. They are thirsty, so feed them. They are homeless, so feed them and take care of them because they are me. God has called us to be a church of mercy. And so the question is now, will you join us? And is that your calling as well? Let's pray.